Raise your hand as they're coming down the aisle, and they'll give you one. They'd love to give you a scripture. If you have your Bibles, open up to Ephesians chapter 6, if you would. Ephesians chapter 6. I did this to the folks at Kumalani Chapel in Maui. Um, I said, we do it in Thousand Oaks, and so I'm going to make you do it here. Uh, I always make folks stand for the reading of the Word of the Lord because I like to distinguish between one and the other. Uh, One we we honor and the other we tolerate. We stand for the Word of the Lord. We sit for the Word of the Teacher, and they they were appreciative of it. I hope they carry the tradition. But uh, we stand for the Word of the Lord. So would you stand as we we, uh, read it? I'll read out loud. You can follow along silently. We're picking up in our study of the armament of God in Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to pick up this morning at verse 14. The passage begins with that word that we've studied many times, stand. It says, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and then today, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And then I want to read one other verse. This is out of John 14, 27. Jesus speaking, he says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. And let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Isaiah 9, 6 says that Jesus Christ, it says, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. This will be our passage. Let's pray. Lord, as we undertake this third armament that you have called us to equip our lives with, we come to this picture of shodding our feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And so, Lord, you said that your peace is different than the world's peace. The world thinks that peace is the absence of conflict. But Lord, we know that that is not true. Peace is the presence of Jesus Christ in the midst of the conflict. And you say, my peace I give to you, not as the world gives, do I give to you. Lord, you declare us not that our heart would be troubled, nor that we would be afraid. And so, Lord, this day as we are facing all kinds of things that attack our peace, that attack the security of our mind, knowing who we are in you. We know we have peace with you, but we want your peace upon our lives. And I pray that you'd minister to every heart, establish this truth, that we would stand firm in these times of trial, that we would not waver, that, Lord, we would watch as our faith would be ever stronger. So, Lord, we pray your blessing now in the study of your word and the equipping of the saints as we arm ourselves with the armament that you have entrusted to us. And we thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen? Well, please have a seat. In our study of the armament of God, we've already gone with the belt of truth. And we looked at the idea that um, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by him. That the Bible is the inerrant, inspired, holy word of God. It is true. It's a foundation upon which we can build our lives. Uh, if, if you believe everything to be true, then nothing is true. We, we look at, at, at um, relativism, and we've studied that, and, and, and the, the lunacy of it. 
that, that truth is what you want it to be. No, that doesn't work. There are absolutes, and, and we are governed by those absolutes. There are physical absolutes that govern our universe. There are spiritual absolutes that govern our soul. And we realize that as we understand the Bible to be the inerrant, inspired, holy word of God. And we've gone through this study, and we did an in-depth study on it. And if you want to get more on it, you can go online and get it. But I would just, just uh, give you a synopsis by simply saying this that you have come to an understanding quite possibly of the Bible by some comparative religion class that you took in a junior college or something that you read online and you've dismissed the Bible to be uh, inerrant, uh, to be fables of men. You haven't done your homework. You haven't done what you're called to do. The Bible says study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Do your homework. You have read somebody else's regurgitated mess. And you have based your entire existence in in rejecting the truth. When in reality, you should be investing in it and understanding it. Uh, You know, you you pull out a $100 U.S. bill, and it's the the most uh, forged currency in the world. They don't forge the, the Guatemalan quetzal. They forge the U.S. dollar because it has value. And that's why the scriptures have been attempted to be forged because they have value. People want to forge the, the strength of the reality. And, and thus you have the Gnostic Gospels. They were a joke back then and they're a joke today. No, Mary Magdalene didn't marry Jesus. It's a Gnostic joke. It's like finding the Book of Mormon, you know, 500 years from now. It was a joke when it was created in the 1800s. It's a joke today and it's a joke 500 years from now, even if you're running for president. I got five laughs. Some of you are going, well, I think it's Christianity. No, it isn't. It's another gospel. It's another gospel. You know, the, the statement is, as, as, as man is, God once was. And as God is, man will become. Are you kidding me? That is not Christianity. That's a lie. It's not by grace you've been saved. There's three heavens in Mormonism. Celestial, terrestrial, and telestial. And you can reach one of them. But you don't know which one you're going to get. And you have to attain it by works. And we find in Ephesians 2, it is by grace you have been saved. Not of yourselves, not of works. It is a gift of God, lest any man should boast. You've been saved by grace. It's a gospel of grace, the gospel of peace. This idea that we've been reconciled to God, that he has taken the penalty of our sin upon the cross, and we've been reconciled to a God we were separated from by our sin. Sin means falling short, missing the mark, not being perfect. We all know what the sin is. We don't have to have an explanation. You may be insulted that I call you a sinner, but we all are. The Bible says for all are without excuse. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so it's a battle for truth. And when you have that belt of truth, you you have that centerpiece of your life. And now you have something to build on. It's a foundation. Then we get to the breastplate of righteousness. That, that we don't try to get, gain God's favor. That's the, that's the God of Islam. He's a capricious God that is, that is mean and you want to appease him in some capacity. God is for you. He takes no delight in the death of the wicked. He imputes his righteousness to you. He gives it to you. He pays for your sins, past, present, future, by receiving in faith. Having heard the gospel of peace, you received by faith that Jesus Christ bled and died on the cross to pay for your sins because blood must be shed for the remission of sins. And you receive that gift. You receive that gift and, and, and God's righteousness is put on your account. He takes your sin, gives you his son's righteousness. He takes your sin, gives you his son's righteousness imputed to you. 
So that when the enemy comes and tells you about your past and what you're thinking right now and all the things that you've done, he's reminding you of your past, you remind him of his future. The pit of hell. And we have that peace that passes all understanding because God has given us that righteousness. It's not what we've done, it's what Jesus has done. Listen, you're going to fail, but the Bible says hold every thought captive to the mind of Christ, forgetting what is behind, striving for what is ahead, taking hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of you. This is a great gift. Uh, there's nothing better on the face of the earth. This is the good news of the gospel. Gospel is ulangelion in the Greek, which means good news. It's good news. You and I are wretched sinners. The good news is God has given his son to pay the penalty for our sins, that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That's a pretty cool switcheroo. He dies on the cross, he gets beaten, he gets flogged, he gets flayed, he gets pierced for our transgressions. And we get eternal life and righteousness on this earth. Wow. And so we see this belt of truth, we see this breastplate of righteousness that God has given us in this armament to fight this good fight. But all of these armaments are for the sole purpose of standing. And he begins in verse 14, stand therefore, stand. You don't cower, you don't run, you don't, you don't crumble. We're an army. We're the church. The gates of hell will not prevail. It seems that it, 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 the minute there's persecution, we run. But the amazing thing about persecution, as Christina was pointing out, persecution is to the church what wind is to a seed. It spreads the gospel. A faith not tested isn't a faith worth having. We've for years preached in, in America this, this easy believism where you come to Christ and, and you know, you, you, you play the record backwards and your dog comes home and your wife remarries you and, you, you know, the car payments are all made and it's all wonderful. No, 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 you still have the conflicts. We're still in the world. We're just not of the world. We're going to have the trials. Our families are going to hurt. We're going to see things that are going to knock the wind out of us. But today we realize... Even when those storms come, and they will, they will. For some of you, they're here. You're either going into a storm or coming out of one. They're here. What do we do in the midst of them? We rest. We have peace. We stand. You see, to understand that as we're standing with that breastplate of righteousness, that belt of truth, our feet shod, shod in the preparation of the gospel of peace, we're standing firm in our faith that none of these things shall move us. None of these things shall move us. The winds rage and the storms blister, but or bluster, but God causes us to stand firm. We think about these shoes. And we, we get to this, this armament of shoes. You think, how could shoes be an armament? It was interesting because Roman shoes had two parts. They had the greaves and then they had the shoes themselves. Greaves were like, like soccer shin guards, but they were made out of brass. These things were wicked cool. They had carvings in them and armament, and, and they, they would represent the legion you belonged to, and they would go up and down your shin, and they would be shod. They would be tightened by leather straps to the sole of, of your shoes, and on the top of your feet there was even some more metal armament, whether bronze or brass, that would be on the top of your feet. To, to guard you as you would be going through uh, difficult journeys and you'd be going over rocky cliffs and, and, and thorn-covered bushes in, in the advance of, of the army. But on the bottom of the Roman uh, leathered shoes, they would have anywhere from one-inch to three-inch spikes depending on, on the battle that they were engaging in. 
They were like these wicked golf cleats. And they were not only weapons of defense, but they were also weapons of offense. And, I, and I'm blessed because as I was taking a look at the passage of Scripture with this idea of peace being an offensive weapon, peace being an offensive weapon, having spikes to stick somebody, hey, it's not too far from the truth. Romans 16.20 says, And the God of peace will crush Satan under your feet shortly. Yeah! The Bible says, and even in the, in the Proto-Evangelicum, which is the very first presentation of the gospel in Genesis, when, when the Lord says to Eve that Satan will, will, will bite his heel, but you will crush his head. As the coming Messiah will come from the lineage of man from your womb. And, and in this picture, crushing his head, this is the gospel of peace. It's, it's this prince of peace who has called us. It's a war where we, we war with peace. That, that they, can, they can imprison us and send us to prison and we're smiling. We're calmly speaking to our loved ones as they're incarcerating us. We're preaching the gospel and they're telling us to shut up, but we continue to do it. And they beat us and we smile even more. You look at the Apostle Paul, he would go from city to city being kicked through the streets like a soccer ball. And he wouldn't, he wouldn't call to find the hotels in the next city, he'd call to see what the prisons were like. Any city he went to, he'd cause either a riot or a revival. And he'd walk in with joy and peace that would surpass all understanding. Here's a man who lost his wife. We knew he had to be married because he was a Sanhedrin. He had lost his wife. She'd probably abandoned him. He's traveling to cities he doesn't know. He's lost everything that he had worked for his entire life, training under the, the, the highest authorities of the pharisaical world, prepared to take the highest position in the temple. And, and all of that's gone. And now he's a nobody walking through cities and he's being beaten. And he's rejoicing. We find him chained to a post and he's singing with Silas and the chains are pulled off and the doors are open. What? This is insane. Where does this come from? How can you go through the midst of something so horrifying? Is what many in this fellowship this week have gone through. And be able to declare with certainty that I have peace. We think in our world that peace is the absence of conflict. Trial. No. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. Peace is the presence of God in the midst of the trial and the conflict. The Lord knows what he's doing. He says, call on me. I'll show you great and mighty things you know not of. I'll give you a peace that surpasses all understanding. No one will even be able to define why you have it. It doesn't make any sense. You should be falling apart. You should be imploding right now. And all you can say is, I can't explain it. I just know it's there. I look at this idea of peace. When the passage says, stand therefore having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and then says, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel. This word shod means binding tightly. It means to hold peace tightly. Wrap it tight upon your heart. On the sole of your feet, wherever you would travel, no matter what you step into, no matter what comes your way, it is bound to the sole of your feet that you are standing upon that peace. I think about that because it says in Colossians 3.15, it says, let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you were called in one body and be thankful. This word rule, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Rule is like an umpire, like a referee. 
my boys had football games yesterday. Um, I went to Michael's game first, and there's a referee that I do not like. I won't tell you why. And I was very polite. I didn't say anything mean. But I thought, he doesn't referee very well. And then there's a couple of others that are exceptional. I think that if they had gone into the NFL during the, the strike, the, the, there would have been a lot of complaining because these guys are solid. I mean, we've got some good referees in this county. Got some lousy ones too. But when it says, let the peace of God rule, umpire, referee in your life. When, when all the trials come and the waves of discouragement and the waves of heartache and, and these things just blast you, Be anxious in nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, as it says in Philippians, will guard. The word guard means garrison. It's like having a Roman legion around your heart. Will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus' garrison. Nothing's getting in. You see, the enemy wants to permeate our thought life and, and try to get us to say, why, God? The enemy wants to permeate our thought life to think, what if? You don't ask what if, you don't ask why. You say, what, God? What do you want to accomplish through this trial? How do you want to be glorified? And the Lord seeks to minister as he garrisons your heart. He wants you to to have a response that would bring glory to his name, that he would referee and rule as, as the thoughts come in and, and the lies are per, trying to permeate as the garrison of your heart is there and you're crying out to God and you're casting your cares on him for he cares for you and you're, you're, you're not being anxious but you're in prayer and supplication. You're pouring out your heart to God as I was doing last night and just saying, God, I can't sleep. And the doubts and, 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 the, and the questions and the struggles and then the, the Lord rules by his word. And he just says, Rob, rest. Rob, rest. I'll take it from here. You go to bed. Yes, Lord. And you put your head on the pillow. And your eyes close. And the scripture says he gives rest to those he loves. And I rest in his love. And he takes care of me. He garrisons my heart. He rules my heart. And his peace comes in. It floods me. It blesses me. It calms me. It settles me. No matter the trial. No matter the struggle. Now the world longs for peace. We long for peace. We just don't know what it is. We don't realize that the warring that's taking place is a result of the emptiness of our soul. We don't realize that the thing that we want peace from is the thing that we live with. We're the enemy. We're the ones who are a mess. God says, I've come to set it right. I've come to have peace with you. You're at war with me. I'm the one who holds your heartbeat and your lungs moving as you sleep. I'm the one who is the author of peace. You're serving the author of confusion. He's lying to you. He says there's peace in this little bottle. There's peace in this other bottle. There's peace in that bed with that other person. 
There's peace in, 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 in a multitude of things other than this declaration of peace with the Prince of Peace. He lies to you. He tells you that he's not the Prince of Peace. He tells you to reject his truth. He tells you to reject his righteousness. He offers you these, these feeble substitutes. Oh, they pick you up for a moment, as the scripture says. Sin is pleasurable for a season, but the end therein is death. And where, where that drug picks you up, it leaves you further back than where it originally picked you up from. You wake up, you're hurting, your family's gone. Your body is, is decimated. And God says, when will you come to me, all you are burdened and heavy laden? I'll give you rest. I'll give you my peace. Come to me. Why do we war against him? We, we cry out for peace, yet we reject the Prince of Peace. We're the ones who are warring with God. We'll never win that war. We'll never have that peace. There's not enough drugs on the planet to bring that peace. There's nothing in all the world that will satisfy you. God has created you with a God-shaped void. The Bible says we've been created subject to vanity. Nothing in all the world will satisfy you. There's never enough. And God says, I will be the fullness of your joy. Come to me. All you are burdened and heavy laden, I'll give you rest. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. So we shod our feet, we, we bind our feet tightly with this understanding of God's peace upon our life. We cling to it. We cling to it through the trials and through the warfare and through the tragedies and the heartaches. We cling to that peace. We cry out in those moments of anxiousness and, and we cast our cares on him. We pray and we pour out our supplications and we say, God, my heart is breaking. Mm. Help me, God. And he always does. He always does. Always. We rest in that. He says that you shod your feet. And then I like this with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the preparation, this idea of standing your ground, a firm footing, a secure foundation, a conquering peace. Preparation, you get your stance. This one's coming. Get ready. You know, in football, they get down in that position and get their center of gravity low, but you ought to plant your feet. Get those spikes in deep. You may have enemy underneath you and you just stick them and you use them as a, that's kind of awful, but that's what you do. <laughs> you stand. That preparation. It's not if, it's when it's coming. How are you going to respond? Christians are like tea bags. You don't know what's in them until you put them in hot water. What comes out? Fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace. You stand. Get ready. It's not if, it's when. You're in the middle of it now. You stand. You shod your feet. You hold it tight. You prepare yourself and you hold on to that gospel, that good news of peace. A peace which will prevail in the midst of the trial. A peace that will rule in your heart. A peace that will guard and garrison your heart. How do we get that peace? We know it to be a defensive weapon and we know it to be an offensive weapon. We know that the Lord exhorts us to stand. We find in 1 Corinthians 16, it says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Stand. Don't crumble. Don't run from the trial. Stand in the midst of it. He didn't run from Iran. He stood. 
He wanted God to be glorified. It's not about his comfort. It's, about his, it's not about our comfort. It's about his glory. 2 Corinthians 1.24 says, Not that we have dominion over your faith, but our fellow workers for your joy. For by faith you stand. You stand. In that faith of the Prince of Peace, you trust him. And I think, how do we get that? Where does the peace come from? Acts 10.36 says, The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. Where does the peace come from? It comes through Jesus Christ. You want peace? Do you need peace? There's only one way to get it. It's not in a bottle. You get it through Jesus Christ. You get it through Jesus Christ. Hebrews 13, verses 20 through 21, quoting, in a sense, out of Isaiah. The author of Hebrews writes, Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. We think about this idea of peace. Romans 10, Romans 10, 14 through 17 gives us an understanding of how to obtain this peace. Pay attention. You need it. The trial is coming or maybe you're in the middle of the trial, but you're going to need this. Listen. Hear the word of the Lord. The scripture says in relation to the Prince of Peace, how do we receive the Lord? How do we receive this Prince of Peace when it says the word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ? How do we get his peace? Here it is, Romans 10, verses 14 through 17. How then shall they call on him, Jesus Christ, in whom they have not believed? It goes on to say, and how shall they hear without a preacher? Well, guess what? You got one today. Amen? I'm not the best, but hey, you got one. And he's rested. Never mind. Thought that'd be funny. (laughs) How shall they hear without a preacher? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then, listen, so then, listen. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We're preaching it this morning so that you can hear it, receive it, and have that peace. Romans 5, 1 says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's two types of peace we need to cover this morning before our time together is completed. There's two types of peace we need to cover this morning before our time this morning is completed. The first peace I want to cover is this, peace with God. Peace with God. Everybody needs in this room this morning to have peace with God. You're not going to win the war if you want to fight him. You need to surrender. You need to have peace with God. I'm just telling you, You're not going to win this battle. You can shake your tiny little puny worthless fist 
at the God who holds the heavens in the span of his hand and think that your voice somehow is going to move the universe. Good luck with that. how ridiculous you look he holds the heavens in the span of his hand the sun is 93 million miles away that's one star go out tonight look and you're on a planet in the solar system of a tiny star and not even a big planet being held in space by nothing. But God so loved this world and he gave his only son. And you reject him and you want a war with him? Really? No, 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 no. The first peace this morning is peace with God. Peace with God. How do we obtain peace with God? Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 5.8 says, God demonstrates His own love towards us this morning in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We were separated from God. Our sins separated from us from God. He doesn't... He, he, there's no getting around it. There are none righteous. No, not one. And while we were sinners... Christ died on the cross. We spit on him. We mocked him. We ridiculed him. We've rejected him. We've used his name as a cuss word. We've used it as an expletive. We've never used it to declare him to be our savior. Today is the day of salvation. Romans 5.10 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. Today you'll have peace with God and you're going to be saved. It's appointed once for a man to die, then judgment. There's two deaths. There's two deaths. There's the first death, which is a physical death. And then there's the second death, which is separation from God for all eternity, which the scripture calls hell. Well, I don't believe in hell, Pastor. It's like saying I don't believe in gravity. It doesn't matter. It still exists. Oh, well, <laughs> so you think. No, I know. And in addition, Jesus Christ, no one spoke more of hell than Jesus himself because he doesn't want any of you to be there or go there. He put a big barrier in front of the gates of hell and it's his, his love for you as he bled and died on that cross. And for you to get to hell, you have to step over the cross of Christ and say, forget you, God. Good luck with that. And luck is a four-letter word. It's awful. Luck didn't die on a cross for you. Luck doesn't have the hairs on your head numbered. Luck doesn't have every tear you've cried in a bottle. Luck didn't leave the glory of heaven's throne for the humiliation of an earthly cross. Luck can't save you. Jesus can. And he will today. You can have peace with God. Romans 6.23 says, this is why you need peace with God. This is why you need peace with God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He's got a gift for you today, a gift for everybody. You get to leave with a gift, parting gift. Carol Merrill, please give everyone a parting gift. 
Lovely Vanna White, everyone has a parting gift. And the gift is eternal life. You're going to reject that? A man is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he can never lose. You're going to walk away from eternal life? Really? I mean, come on. This is obnoxious. Why, why, why does this need explaining? It's been rejected for eons. And, and what are you rejecting it for, might I ask? Oh, sanity. Really? Yes. God is, is the instrument of all kinds of misery, and the belief in God is the, all, uh, the result of all kinds of misery on the earth. Really? Yes, yes, the Crusades and, and, and the Salem witch trials and, 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 the, and those things. How many people died in the Salem witch trials? Oh, countless. Less than 50. It was stopped by Christians. Well, that's not what I read. Yeah, what regurgitated mess in your comparative religion class. Well, the Inquisition, yeah, about 100,000 people died in that awful number. And the church should never have the sword. The state is to have the sword. When the church gets a sword, it's ugly. Yeah, the Inquisition, bad, I agree. 100,000. Yeah, the fighting in, in Ireland, Catholics and Protestants, had nothing to do with Catholics and Protestants. Nowhere in the Scriptures is it declared that they had any purpose to do that. Let's take a look at the absence of God on the face of the earth and see what that's done for us. Mao Zedong, Joseph Stalin, Pol Pot, Adolf Hitler. Billions have died. And you think freedom from God is the answer? Really, this, this, this is a no-brainer. Romans declares in this picture... Romans 10, 9 and 10. I, I want to show you how to obtain this peace this morning. If you confess with your mouth, it says in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, okay, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, four wonderful words, listen, you will be saved. I like that. For with the heart, one believes unto righteousness. And with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You got to receive it. It's a gift. Acts 10.43 says, To him all the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive forgiveness of their sins. You're going to be reconciled to God. He's going to span that gulf of your sin and a holy God through the blood of his son, Jesus. And you're going to be reconciled. And today you will have peace with God. Peace with God. How's this happen? 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Yes! I like that a lot. And then finally, for by grace, Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. It's a gift. We've been talking about this gift. Here's the problem with a gift. You have to receive it. You have to receive it. You've got to act on it. You receive by faith. And the first piece is peace with God. And you can run your little gamut of pills and alcohol and sex and video games and whatever. 
awful, empty, fruitless. You don't even want to live anymore. What's the point? You don't have any peace. You just have occupying trinkets in front of you. And you're running out of money and friends. And God says, you need to have peace with me and then I'll give you my peace upon you. You see, the first piece is peace with God. The second piece is the peace of God. You want to be able to stand in the midst of the trial, and they're coming, and be able to calmly respond in a phone call when all hell's breaking loose and say, God is in control. I'll tell you what, that's a man or a woman right there of character. That's an abundant life. But you have to have peace with him before he can have his peace upon you. The two pieces are available right now. And some of you Christians this morning, you have peace with God, but you haven't been enjoying the peace of God. You need to cling to the scriptures with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving. You need to press into the Lord. You're in turmoil right now. You've left the Prince of Peace. You need to step in and put your feet firmly down and cling and shod your feet and stand. And as I close in these last few moments with prayer, I'm going to give everyone in the opportunity and uh, uh, everyone in the room an opportunity to respond in some way to this message, whether you're a Christian or non-Christian. For Christians this morning, you need to respond by realizing we need to have the peace of God upon our lives. Let's quit worrying. Everyone around you is getting sick of it, right? And all your anxiousness is doing nothing to fix the problem. Prayer needs to increase in this fellowship. You know, we're, when we're praying, peace is abundant. God wants to do that in your life today. And for those of you who have blessed us today to be here, and this is the first time you've heard the gospel, and you want to shod your feet with this gospel of peace, you want to be right with God, today's a day of salvation. Good for you. You are a wise man or a woman. I'm going to give you an opportunity. The Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your tongue, I'm going to give you an opportunity. It's real simple how we're going to do it. We're going to be praying. Our heads will be bowed and our eyes will be closed. And Jesus says, if you profess me before man, I'll profess you before my Father in heaven. And it's real simple. I'm going to say in the middle of that prayer when everyone's head is bowed and their eyes are closed, and I'll be the witness of this. I'm going to say, if you by faith want to receive Jesus Christ today as your Lord and Savior, raise your hand. That's it. He goes to a cross for you and all he asks is that you raise your hand. And then you have peace with God. I think that's a pretty good deal. We ready to do this? Yeah? Christians, be praying for those wise men and women who are ready to give their heart to the Lord. Let's go before the Lord right now. Let's close our eyes. Bow our heads. Everybody, please. It's a private moment with these folks in the Lord. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. The word of the Lord has gone forth. There's been a preacher today. God has ordained that you would have the opportunity to call on the one whom you've not believed. And it says, how shall they believe in him who they've not heard? But today you've heard because it says, how shall they hear without a preacher? And God's given you a preacher. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's moved you today. You want to shod your feet in the preparation with the gospel of peace. You want to have peace with God. You want to respond and be a Christian today. 
as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, if you desire to receive this gift of Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, right now I want you to raise your hand. Amen. 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 Anyone else right now? God bless you. I see your hand. Amen. Lord, thank you for those who've raised their hand to receive you. Lord, even, in, even being timid, they have responded. Lord, you began this good work. You're faithful to complete it. And I pray your peace to fall upon them as they now have peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ that paid for all of their sins, past, present, and future. And now that they have the peace of God, they're no longer warring with you, Lord. And now they need your peace upon their lives. Deliver them from the bondage of the lies of this world and help them, God. Strengthen them, I pray. And Lord, as we continue, as our eyes are closed and our heads are bound, for those in the room that are Christians, you know this peace with God, but you can testify right now that you have not experienced the peace of God. You've been worrying, you've been anxious, you've been overwhelmed, you've been snippy, you've been short with people, you've been angry, you've been seeking solace in things that are hurting you. You're in bondage. You want to be set free. God has come that you might have that life and life more abundant. Today is a day that he's going to deliver you. And by raising your hand, you're just going to say, God, help me. Are you ready to do that? Raise your hand if that's you. Amen. Amen. It's a wonderful prayer. God, help me. Lord, I... I see their hands. You can put them down now. Lord, together, we receive from you your peace, which surpasses all understanding. I ask that your peace would fall upon this room. Lord, I pray deliverance and strength upon the body of Christ. May we be men and women who would be anxious in nothing, but by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, we pour out our heart to you. Lord, move in the lives of those who have responded to you today. And strengthen them in their walk with you. They have peace with you, but they need your peace upon them. Help them through these trials. For our brothers and sisters going through the toughest times of their life, we pray your peace upon them. We thank you for your word. We thank you for those who've given their lives to you. As the angels in heaven rejoice when one person comes to Christ, so this morning we rejoice with them. And we thank you, Lord, for this mighty day that you have accomplished through the the teaching of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's clap for those folks who gave their heart to the Lord. Yeah. All right, let's turn on the lights. We're going to do one last thing. I've gone a little long. It's only three minutes. Don't leave yet. I need the feedlers up here. Roll and Ingrid, where are you guys? Come on up.